Oh, hi ho officer. We've had a doozy of a day. There we were minding our own business, just doing some chores around the house when kids started killing themselves all over my property. Well, were they psychos? Or... They look like psychos? Is that what they look like? They were vampires. Psychos do not explode when sunlight hits them. I don't give a fuck how crazy they are. So 1,100 men went in the war. 316 men come out. The sharks took the rest June the 29th, 1945. Well, what do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while? See what happens. Welcome to the Death Rattle Horror Podcast. We are your mavens of the macabre, hostesses of horror, your darlings of darkness, and we're here to guide you into the depths. This episode is going to be about stylish horror films, stylized horror films, and we have a new token guy joining us. Woo! I'm happy to be here. Thanks for asking me on the show. Um, I'm Dale Weathers, reporting to you live from the scene of the crime. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. That's perfect. So tonight on this episode, um, Dale came to us with this idea, and it's a really good one, talking about those horror movies that are kind of more aesthetically, I guess, stylish or just really pretty to look at, uh, more so than the average film. So tonight we're going to have uh, four different movies we're going to discuss that fit into this topic. And those movies are Neon Demon, Piercing, It Follows, and Suspiria. So Dale, since you are the guest, you can choose which movie you'd like to start with. Well, um, since I've seen It Follows about 75 times, I'm going to pick that one. I love it. <laughs> oh, me yes. too. One of my favorites. Oh, are we going now? <laughs> yes. We're this is the part where you talk. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, well, first of all, I was thinking about all these stylish horror films, and it's kind of becoming a trend these days, especially as we're kind of, I feel like going back to a point where uh, everything is 80s slasher themed almost, and that really comes yeah. through with It Follows, mm -hmm. I feel like. Um, so... And I think there's a good mix on this list for tonight because It Follows is definitely one of those that, that does the whole 80s vibe with the synths and the Halloween music and uh, kind of like oh, the, yeah. you know, the old school dialogue and everything. And then there's those movies uh, that kind of, I guess they're a little more vague. They just, I mean, they, they just flat out look pretty, like the Neon Demon. It's not really going for a retro vibe or anything. But I... I'm really into that whole 80s vibe, and it follows, it just really worked for me. Yeah, I, I, I'm all about that vibe, too. I always, uh, I feel, it's kind of weird, but I, I feel kind of sad that I missed out on, like, the 80s horror, you know, being able to, like, go see, like, new Friday the 13th when they come out, that kind of thing. Right. I was born in the 80s, but <laughs> not, I wasn't old enough to, like, really partake in it so I always feel like I missed out and obviously a lot of modern horror filmmakers you know love that vibe probably what they grew up watching like a lot of us probably did as well and I think it follows is one that really does it well like without slapping you in the face with it <laughs> exactly I love what I love about it follows is um so in terms of movies that are like 80 like 80s retro style themed um you have other films like mandy and house of the devil that are so overtly an homage to 80s horror films that they that they feel almost more like a filmmaking exercise than a horror film right and it follows i think used the kind of retro nostalgia thing 
so well in that it does it really subtly like yeah there's lots of great like retro wave music and stuff but it and it's stylized but it's not so stylized that you can't fully enjoy it without having that context of 80s films and uh and i like the kind of timelessness that it gave it because it's a movie where nobody really seems to have a cell phone or anything but there is that one girl who's reading on some kind of seashell tablet type yeah. thing yeah yeah um and so like it feels 80s and it feels slightly futuristic at the same time totally um and but it really gives that like timelessness feel of like it's a coming of age story it's a story about being a teenager and there's you know and and especially it gets pretty overt when they're like going to the pool that they went to when they were kids and now it's you know not like uh like they're 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 going for a very different purpose and it's that kind of you know crossing over the threshold and into adulthood and stuff and it it does that really well without um without being like check it out this is an <laughs> 80s film <laughs> right yeah i i think that also the timelessness i think it also uh it it helps the movie feel a little bit more like disorienting and kind of surreal because you can't really pin it down in time and you know it's like okay is this uh is this 1985 or is this you know 2015 or whatever um and, or 2035 you know <laughs> yeah exactly and it, it also has that kind of 80s feeling of you know how they had like those movies where there'd be a bunch of kids well obviously they're not kids but they're teenagers and there's like no parents around ever it's like you never see any of the parents other than the one mom when she's like possessed um you see the parents in bits and pieces but you never really see their faces uh like you'll see like uh i think it was jay's mom like you see like half of her like and she's not really in the movie that much mm -hmm. at all and so it kind of had that kind of feeling to it, even though they're obviously, you know, 17, 18, whatever they're supposed to be. But yeah, I totally get what you mean about the coming of age. I really like that coming of age combined with horror. And I think that was a really big genre in the 80s. And I think that movies like that, uh, they appeal to a wide variety of ages, you know? Yeah, uh, I... I love how they intentionally make it feel timeless. Like you can't tell what season it is because at one point Jay swims in the pool in her bathing suit. And then she's, you know, walking down the street in a fur coat and they're swimming in the lake, but then, you know, they're wearing scarves and it's just, it all kind of feels like a dream. And I think I love this movie so much because it, it reminds me so much of the very first nightmare on Elm street, which is, probably like one of the first movies i saw from the whole slasher wave of the 80s that actually really scared me uh, i love that movie mm -hmm. and yeah how you how you were saying it's not overdone and it follows like i i don't like to use the phrase style over substance a whole lot because i think with all the films that that we picked for this episode i i feel like they they do have substance and you know, a, a filmmaker can put visual emphasis at the top of the list and, you know, pay particular attention to the, you know, the visual style of a film and still have something to say. And I definitely think It Follows has a lot to say, um, mostly about just growing up and uh, sex and relationships and depression, I think. Um, a lot of people you know, just kind of write off the, the monster or it, whatever it is, is kind of like a metaphor for STDs. But I think it's, it's almost a, a way to talk about, you know, depression and that, that feeling that just kind of follows you everywhere and you kind of feel lost and you don't know where to go. And the, the medium that the filmmaker uh, portrayed it in with this whole like you know dirty Detroit backdrop and the 80s vibe and the parents being non-existent or never around it it really works like they play together really really well I think totally and I think the depression totally I could see that and I think a lot of people feel that way with their you know turning 18 you know 
life isn't as set out as it was when they were, you know, in elementary, junior high, etc. And you can feel kind of lost and like aimless. And I think a lot of people, myself included, start to have like depression issues at that age because of that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the the interesting thing I thought uh, watching this movie again the other night, uh, it it uses the whole retro vibe when it feels like it needs it and not just you know letting it take center stage in the film my favorite scene i think is when they they go to the school and they're trying to find out uh, about I, I think his real name is jeff he said his name was craig mm-hmm. or something so they go to the school to look at the yearbook and everything and then it's all done in one shot where the camera's just kind of slowly panning around and then you see them, like, people walking through the halls, and then you see them in the office talking to the receptionist, and then you see just someone walking towards the camera, and the camera pans away, and it's that, um, almost that Halloween, like, piano tune that plays. Um, and then with the end, that whole climax scene with the swimming pool and everything, and they try to, like, trap the monster... A lot of people that I talked to said that they were really disappointed with that ending. They thought it kind of got dumb. But I thought that it was the it's the whole point of like those 80s slashers where the kids would, you know, come together and they would have this elaborate plan to, you know, trap the monster and defeat it once and for all. Like just how Nancy rigged up her whole, um, you know, the whole sledgehammer and the booby traps whenever she brought Freddy out of her dream and nightmare. Yeah. And then... You, you know, just the the big traps that they set to catch the monster. Uh, so I thought it it worked well when it when it needed to be used. It didn't overwhelm the whole film, I think, because then we get, uh, I guess what I what I think is the true ending, where they're walking down the street holding hands, and then they have like all this visual uh, sim- symbology around them with like the dead end sign and somebody's walking behind them and they're both wearing like angelic white colors. So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you on that uh, swimming pool scene. I think it's like the kind of scene that if you were to describe it, it sounds ridiculous, mm-hmm. but you become so invested in these characters that you're like, you're told you're in it you're in it you know you're like this is totally i totally you know this is 100 percent what i would do and it is like one of those 80s movies or even something like i don't know buffy or like scooby-doo yes, or yeah, you know yeah. it, it totally uh and the movie it really has like a john carpenter vibe for me especially that last shot oh, yeah. um it i was like oh my god i got chills that last shot because i was like it just it really felt like halloween and i think that i think that was kind of intentional yes and yeah uh, yeah. speaking real quick about halloween i uh the thing that got me about this movie like a lot of people didn't think it was that scary the concept is so scary to me um it wasn't like when i saw it in the theaters for the first time i wasn't like hiding my eyes or anything you know but it was one of those where it kind of the the concept of it stays with you for weeks after you watch it and i i dreamt about it and what works so well about it for me is that uh the same reason that i think the original halloween was so successful because you know back when halloween came out nobody really even knew michael myers name like he wasn't laurie's sister he wasn't you know some supernatural force he was just this you know nameless faceless thing that just stalked her wherever she went and i love that it follows kind of took a chapter out of that book by not only doing that whole john carpenter thing you know with the teenagers walking down the sidewalk in the suburban neighborhood and everything but it doesn't answer any questions and i really i really really hope as much as i love this movie that there is no sequel ever because i love that it just doesn't it doesn't tell you anything you don't get to know and that makes it so much creepier exactly totally true exactly and that's why i think it's silly that people didn't like the pool scene because um you know i i think that people have become a bit too expectant on having answers Mm -hmm. you know and i i I like in it follows that we don't know how this started 
we don't know where this comes from we get the vaguest idea of what the quote-unquote rules are you know but it's just the the point is not the backstory the point is the title of the movie it follows Mm -hmm. and that's all it does and that's all you get to know about it and then with the pool scene you know in in a lot of um 80s films that this movie clearly takes its cue from the the final plan doesn't usually doesn't always need to make a whole lot of sense it's more the you know they're they're going to the pool uh that's a place that holds significance for them they went there all together as kids and now they're adults the pool is closed you know they walk through like uh they're they're crossing a boundary they weren't allowed to cross when they were younger in terms of geography um and obviously the beautiful shots of like kind of the more derelict areas of detroit um and the like the emotional significance of it and the significance of them coming together is more important than the kind of technical i don't know practicality of the plan and uh yeah it's that's what i think is is another thing that's so great about this film is that you you get you get information that's necessary to the story but you don't like i don't know there's sometimes it's scarier not to know yeah yeah and and it is that thing the whole pool scene at the end it is kind of that feeling of like well you know they're they're kids and that's kind of the the thing that kids would do is you know stage this elaborate thing at the pool so yeah that does kind of it kind of gives you that feeling of like i don't know it's their last kind of ditch effort as a childlike type thing and then the the final scene is kind of them you know walking into the unknown maybe adulthood yeah yeah and and it could still be following them or it could not you know and they don't know and we don't know and it's just it's just great it is um i was gonna say uh the i i feel like a lot of times when you get a backstory on i think we talked about this i can't remember uh, we totally did when we were talking about Black Christmas. Oh, yeah, that's right. Okay, when you get a backstory on the quote-unquote bad guy, it makes them less scary. Mm-hmm. And when you see the, like, you know, villain a whole lot, you know, it you get desensitized and it's no longer scary. Um, which what, you know, think of a movie like Jaws, you don't see the shark until, like, two-thirds of the way through yeah. the movie. And that what's make that's what makes it so much scarier. And I totally feel like I totally agree with you about this thing. Like we don't know what it is. They don't seem to have the internet, so they're not like doing any of that sort of research or anything. Like there's nowhere they can find <laughs> out about this thing. And I think it's it makes it that much better. And also I was gonna say is that the ending is even more ambiguous, is because we don't know if the boy, if the guy, if he actually went and slept with a sex worker or not. Because um, yeah. it shows him, like, pulling up, driving, like, he's looking for a, a woman, but we don't see if he ever went through with it or not. So we don't know if he actually passed on the thing or if it's still actually following him. And it, I'm actually, like, getting chills thinking about it. Because <laughs> that last shot was, like, oh, it was brilliant. It was like the first movie I ever saw in theaters by myself, and it was like an empty theater. (laughs) And it was like such an amazing movie-going experience that, uh, I mean, it's rarely if ever been replicated. Yeah, and just going back to the whole stylistic approach to it, I mean, it's such a... Watching it is almost like a dreamlike experience, you know, because it's, it's timeless, it's a little bit retro, but at the same time, it's... It's playing on these things that have been uh, these themes that have been going through movies for years, uh, especially, you know, depression and growing up. And I, I loved seeing it in the theaters. It was it's such like a summer movie for me now. Like every time the weather starts getting warm outside and we start having those warm nights, it's like it's an it follows night. <laughs> oh, totally. Mm-hmm. I, I also think the, like, the the thing, whatever we want to call it, sex demon, <laughs> it's kind of like the, 
the physical embodiment of growing up and, you know, adult things such as sex are causing problems for this group of friends that has known each other forever. Mm -hmm. And so it's like they retreat to their, like, childhood place to sort of band back together to... It's almost like they're just trying to keep adulthood at bay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Also, did you uh, did you guys pick up on that at the very beginning of the movie when Jay is getting ready for her date, um, and she has that picture of her in the swimming pool on her mirror, and then she has a picture of some man, which we're, I guess we assume is her dad, and then when they're leaving the house to go to the pool. And the the oh, old yeah, man on the dad. roof. It's her dad, and it's her dad at the pool. That's why you know they're like, "What do you see?" And she's like, "You don't want to know." And yeah, she says, "I don't want to." I say. thought that was really interesting. And I didn't know what to. And he's naked yeah. as well. That is the other thing. I yeah, I totally wanted to bring this up, but I because I I I don't have any idea what it means. <laughs> I wasn't like I wanted to bring it up, but I, was, I didn't know what I was going to say about it because I I don't know what it means and I don't know exactly what it's supposed to symbolize but it's such an unnerving detail when you pick up on it because it definitely took me a few watches Mm -hmm. for that to kind of make sense but it's it's so unsettling in a way that i yeah i don't know yeah i mean it's it's just one of those things too where it's just not explained and that's okay it's like we're left to kind of make assumptions about it and it's not like you know, the whole Conjuring universe where it's like, oh, you know, the, here's this nun that popped up for two minutes in this movie. So we're going to go back and make a movie about her backstory and what, whatever. Right. <laughs> it's great because then you can just dissect it forever, yeah. which obviously we like to do. <laughs> so would you ladies like to move on to the next movie? Surely. Alrighty. Kate Elling, what movie would you like to do next? Well, um, I would like to do the other movie on this list that I have actually seen, <laughs> uh, and that would be Suspiria. Ooh. And we're talking original? Yes. Okay. So, because I, I believe uh, when we discussed which one we were going to do, we said original because we felt that the remake had definitely put style over substance. The remake was very different stylistically the remake kind of put me to sleep not gonna lie (laughs) i i wasn't a fan and to be honest i i like the original suspiria and i definitely respect it and i i think it's a beautiful film to look at it's never gonna be at the top of my list to be honest yep i feel exactly the same about it Um, When I was in university, I started a film club, and it was the first film that we ever showed. And uh, we we had one of the auditoriums at the school, so we had a big screen and a really, really good sound system. And I think that was absolutely the best way to show it, because the the whole soundtrack by the, what's it, the band Uh Goblin? The Goblins. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's a great soundtrack, and it's visually a beautiful film. But I was watching it and I was like, you know what? I'm probably never going to watch this again. I enjoyed it. I can see the effect that it had on films that came after it. And I appreciate that it is definitely um, like stylistically fitting into a very specific genre of film. But uh, yeah, it's not it's definitely not a movie that I would put on of an evening just for the enjoyment of it. (laughs) Agreed. But it is a it is a very beautiful film. I don't know that much about Italian Gaio film. Uh, Nor do well, I. Well, from what I've heard, I don't either. <laughs> I, I don't either. But from just from what I've heard, this is kind of like on the border of it. Uh, from I think that this film is very stylistic and it has the very large set pieces and the very gory elaborate murders and i think that's a trademark of the jello i don't know how to pronounce it uh but that's a trademark (laughs) of that but also what the what those films also have is complex plots i think and i didn't get any of that from suspiria (laughs) uh I actually read that the script was originally written with the idea in mind that the Ballet Academy was uh, for young girls, like 12 years old, 
And then they changed it because the events in the film are so violent, but they didn't change any of the dialogue. So, yeah. Oh, that's bizarre. And it kind of of shows through when you go back and watch it again because they have that whole scene where, you know, the mean girl is like, I heard that names that begin with the letter S are for girls who are snakes or something. And then she's like sticking out her tongue (laughs) with the other girl and they're going, mm, mm, mm. That is weird. I I haven't made it all the way through the original, I have to admit. And it's actually because of the aesthetics, because I think I was hung over the first time I tried watching it. And it was like so overstimulating, both, you know, um, visually and uh, oral. What's the word? Audio. Um, Sure. (laughs) Orally. Yes, that's the word. Um, It was just like there's like this low lying uh sort of weird sort of like hum sound that is in the background and it was just like really messing with my brain and the insanely bright color palette was like it was like overwhelming for my senses yeah see that's the one part of the movie that i absolutely love i I do think it's beautiful to look at and i'm i'm a real fan of these days of like just like really bright colors in movies and they never explain where it comes from like i think that's really cool there's that whole scene when i think like what the maggots fall out of the ceiling or something so they all have to sleep together in one giant room and the whole room is just like Mm -hmm. bathed in this bright red light and they never address it. They never, like, really talk about it or anything. It's just red light. Okay, we're moving on. <laughs> but it, it's so pretty to look at, I do have to admit. The the set of the Ballet Academy, actually, it really, really reminds me of um, the mansion from Edward Scissorhands that the Avon lady finds him in. I could see that. Yeah, it's a it's a strange movie. I'm I'm looking at the I'm looking at the Wikipedia page right now to kind of remind myself of the plot because it's been uh, probably two years mm-hmm. since I saw it, and I I tried watching I tried watching the new one and I I just yeah. couldn't <laughs> I I couldn't I got half an hour through I think the first time I tried and then I got about an hour through the second time and I was like I can't. I just cannot bring myself to sit down and make it through this film. I actually but. watched the entire remake, um, surprisingly, because it, I tried watching the original like three times. Uh, it's a, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting movie. Um, it definitely looks totally different, and it actually was pretty damn cheesy at the end. The, uh, there's like this sort of massacre towards the end that is like really ridiculously silly. Uh, like it's not scary. It's, I don't know. I can't really explain it. (laughs) Yeah. You know, the, the end of that movie actually reminds me of another movie that probably should have made it onto this list. Uh, Silent Hill. Oh, okay. Did you guys ever see that in the, the end scene when... I think Alessa comes up in like the church or whatever and she's just like killing everyone. That whole scene at the end of Suspiria, the remake at least, when whatever happens, I don't know, it's not really explained even though the movie's two and a half hours long and it should have been. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. It, really remi- it reminded me of Silent Hill a couple times. Yeah, I could see that. Um, it really, the remake was like kind of it was like too much. Yeah. Like it was really long and they just showed too much. They had too many like sort of subplots going on uh, yeah. and too many characters. Yeah. The, the <laughs> whole segment with that doctor or whatever, trying to like investigate it or, or whatever, it should have been cut. Yeah. What was that? That was when I started the movie and it started with that. I was like, this is bizarre. Yeah. This is like seemingly pointless. And uh chloe uh chloe grace moretz character is just like acting so bizarre so i guess you're supposed to just you know figure out that she's you know been kind of went a little crazy from being there but it really seemed uh unnecessary totally i did like the olga scene though Mm. (laughs) where she uh 
the one insanely crazy death scene. Oh, right. Yeah, with the... Um, wait, are we still talking about the, the remake or the original? I'm talking about the remake. Yeah, so the one <laughs> that with was the, like the only scene I liked. She's like being controlled or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it was so disturbing that it that was like the bright spot in the movie, which sounds mm-hmm. weird, but it was the part where I was like, whoa, this is entirely unique and disturbing. But then it just, you know, kind of died. Yeah, I agree. And I think the, the mistake that the remake made at all was trying to make it have, you know, this like sort of deep story with this complex plot about a cult of witches, which is fine. But the original film is not known for its plot. Like, it barely even has one. It's, you know, it's the aesthetics and the beauty of it. Yeah. they And they tried to just, like, over-explain it, too. It was just... It was just... It was just, we don't need to know, you know? We just want to see pretty dances. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I thought it would be. If you guys want to see um, an actual horror movie or horror-adjacent movie with cool dance sequences, totally recommend Climax. It was... I've been meaning to watch it that. Was, somebody uploaded the whole movie to YouTube, and it was there for like a hot two weeks, and I managed to watch it, oh. but then it got removed. <laughs> Is it rentable yet? No, I think it's expected out in May here in the U.S. It's already out in the U.K. Mm. Is that Gaspar Noe's new it film? It is. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. That's why I <laughs> I was like, why do I simultaneously feel excited and, and have also deep dread? And it's because it's... <laughs> Gaspar Noe. It's a, it's a beautiful movie. I I really enjoyed it. Uh, there were no subtitles on the version that I watched, so I had to just kind of guess what was happening. But uh, it does it does like really really long takes that last for several minutes, and the dance sequences are awesome. It's not really a scary movie, but it is. I guess like a horrific thing happens. I really recommend it. I thought it was cool. I have been wanting, I've heard it had like really cool dance scenes and I love me a dance movie that has actual fantastic dance scenes. <laughs> um, and I don't think I've seen any of his movies, so that'll be a first. Oh boy. I went through a phase recently after I watched Climax, actually, I watched all of his older movies. Um, <laughs> I regret it. What are his, what's his big movie? Irreversible. Oh, that's what I thought. Okay. Have not yeah, seen Irreversible. it. Irreversible. I watched. I watched Irreversible because when I was younger, because I'm so I'm 30 now. When I when I was growing up, when I was in my teenage years, it was when the internet was becoming very prevalent in all of our lives. And for some reason, I was one of those people who was like, if I watch the most fucked up things that I can that somehow will make me cool or whatever. Oh yeah. So I definitely totally. <laughs> saw like I, I watched Irreversible. I was probably like fourteen when I watched Irreversible. That's Oh dear. That's too young to watch <laughs> I feel like I'm too young now. No. But like uh, he was because he was really part of that like French new wave of like yeah. really extremism rock extremism films. Films yeah. like Martyr Martyrs uh-huh. and Frontiers and like just really, High Tension really rough stuff and uh yeah i was not prepared for irreversible and it definitely left a very deep impact on me well clearly because i'm still watching fucked up stuff <laughs> did you ever watch a serbian film of course I oh did. my oh, god. god why that's horrible i i know enough about it that i will never watch it oh and there's absolutely no reason why you should i'll okay fu- funny story and a total digression <laughs> I distinctly remember watching a Serbian film because at the time I had like a, like a not quite a real laptop. It was like a very, it was very small and I had managed to download a Serbian film and I was with my mom and my sister. We were staying at one of my mom's friends' houses and I, because at, at the time I was, whenever a Serbian film came out, I was in like my late teens or something. Um, and I, you know, I, I was, I, di- I didn't sleep until very late at night. So my sister was asleep. We were staying in like the games room or whatever. So my sister's asleep and I've got a, like a office chair next to the air hockey table. And I'm watching a Serbian film on this 
tiny little screen with my headphones in and partway through I was like I can't believe I'm watching this while my little <laughs> sister is sleeping like five feet away from me. Yeah. What if she wakes up and I ruin her life? <laughs> also, hi, Siobhan. She's probably listening to this. <laughs> she loves horror movies now. Um, but uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, a Serbian film is, it's, it's unnecessary. It's like, it's like all the later Saw movies. Like, it's just. Or like Human horrible. Centipede 2. <laughs> it's just horrible torture porn with no real point. Right. And then the whole, the thing I really hate in horror, like I don't, I don't mind a bit of gore, you know. I like, I like Bone Tomahawk. I like Green Room. I like, I, I don't mind it, you know, when it's well done. Yeah. But I, I feel like in a lot of these horror films, there's that gross mixture of titillation with it where they're like, Ooh, look at this naked woman. Now we're going to rip her up. Like mm-hmm. and it, there just seems to be this kind of misogynistic like, ooh, look at the naked lady and oh, also I want to see her grotesquely murdered because she's a whore or something. Like right. I don't know. There's something about it that feels very disgusting and misogynistic to me, so that's that's the real problem I have with a lot of films like that. Yeah, me too, definitely. (laughs) It's like there's a fine line, you know? Um, And uh, it's kind of easy to sort of figure out after a while, like, okay, well, this is just disgusting for the sake of being disgusting. Like, it's not saying anything. Yeah, uh, Mm -hmm. I agree. I will never watch a Serbian film. I've heard way too much about it. Basically everything that you just said. Um, So, yeah, uh, but I... I do feel like I'm glad we brought up Climax and uh, what was his other film? Irreversible. Uh, I'm glad we brought those up because if you are into stylized horror, it's definitely not, you know, vintage retro 80s throwback at all. It's very colorful. It's very bright. Um, Revenge. Revenge. I haven't seen that one. Oh, <laughs> I was just guessing what you were going to say. No, uh, I watched, well, I, I said earlier that I regret watching his movies when I went on my little kick because I did watch Love, which is on Netflix, and it's basically it's basically a romance story told through the viewpoint of sexual relationships, and the sex is not simulated sex scenes. It's all, like, actually happening. Oh, wow. So I didn't need to see that. And then I watched uh, Enter the Void. And that's the film that's basically just this like two and a half hour long near death experience that this man kind of goes through as he's dying. Uh, It was visually stunning. Like one of the most visually stunning movies I've ever seen. Glad I watched it. We'll never watch it again. (laughs) Mm hmm. Well, Revenge is uh, it's, uh, you know, rape revenge movie but it's also incredibly beautiful uh the color palette it's super bright it's it just every scene is amazing looking and it's one of the few like rape revenge movies that i actually loved and because i think it's because it's not um it's not gratuitous like it doesn't really show much of anything of the actual like assault but it does get extremely gory at the end. <laughs> yeah, I did really dig that movie. I like it. Oh, I thought you were saying you didn't see it. I was, like, recommending it I to you. I was thinking <laughs> of a different movie. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, yeah. We I both watched agree. That, uh, the day it came out on Shudder. <laughs> oh, such a beautiful movie. Anyways, we're way off topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, Lola, what do you want to do next? Um, How about Neon Demon? Yes. Go for it. I I did not make it all the way through Neon Demon, mm-hmm. but I did watch uh, probably the first hour, and then I watched, like, the last ten minutes. <laughs> Which is really ridiculous, but I know. I, I just, I got kind of bored, but it was a really cool-looking movie, and I don't know. For me, this movie was just... It was style over substance, just for me personally, just because, uh, I mean, the plot was just kind of not, not that, uh, exciting for me. For sure. Mostly just be, yeah, just because it's like not my scene at all. Um, 
and I just thought the whole sort of analogy of her, you know, becoming, being like this ingenue and, you know, they just want, they want that so much. They want that so much. Then the end, they actually like eat her because that's how much they want it. Uh, I just thought it was kind of like heavy handed. Um, but it did have some really like striking scenes. I'll say that for sure. Yeah. So when I say that I love this movie, I, I know <laughs> that it's boring and the plot <laughs> is a little iffy, hash, maybe like slash not all the way there. But yeah, I think it's just one of those. I, I rented it when I was, you know, just like bored. I can't remember. I was probably having some wine and I was like, you know, I've been wanting to watch this forever. <laughs> I'm finally just going to do it. And I mean, I'm just a sucker for movies that are visually stunning and the colors in this film, the cinematography it's it's mind blowing. So I can forgive the film itself being a little shallow. Um, it is boring. It does run a little bit too long. I think there's a lot that could be cut out of it. Uh, but I think it's awesome. I put it on sometimes when I'm you know kind of like doing something else, so it can be kind of like background, something pretty to look at. Uh, I think it ma- it made me really like Elle Fanning as an actress. I thought she did awesome in it. She's a great yes, actress. Totally. And the the whole uh, the whole concept of her being like this this model, and she's really shy and quiet at first, and then she kind of evolves and she gets cocky and whatever. And I don't really like that aspect of the movie um, because I think it could be misconstrued as you know having confidence is a bad thing, which I don't think it is at right. all. But at the same time. I don't know. It's pretty to look at. That's why I like it. I'm not in it for the plot. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to sound catty, but I didn't really buy Elle Fanning as being this, like, overwhelmingly, strikingly beautiful model. I mean, she's definitely pretty, prettier than the average person, but, I mean, not, like, blow you away beautiful, if that makes sense. It sounds rude <laughs> and bitchy, but... I don't know. I think that there's like, there's so many people that want to be models that somebody would have to be like, really like one of the most beautiful people in the world in order for like the fashion world to like have that sort of reaction. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't know what to think of that either because, you know, uh, I mean, my first taste would be men, but, um, I, (laughs) I don't know. I thought, Elle Fanning, I thought she was pretty stunning. Uh, so whenever I watch it, I and it, it goes that way with a lot of these quote-unquote style over substance movies. It's like I just kind of let myself be like, okay, this is what the filmmaker wants me to look at, or this is what he, this is what they want me to think right now. So I'm gonna go with it. the The problem that I did have with this movie was uh, the whole situation with um oh gosh i can't think of the actress's name jenna malone she oh yeah yeah. she was in donnie darko she was in catching fire the hunger games one yeah that's her name yeah the the whole idea of her being somewhat i don't know catty or something because Elle fanning didn't respond to her advance her sexual advances i don't know there were a lot of things in this movie that did kind of make me feel it took me out of it because usually I'm one of those people that's like, well, this is what the filmmaker wants. So I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to suspend my disbelief for this movie. And as far as visuals go, that's fine. I can do that. It's like, I don't know where this red light's coming from, but sure, let's go with it. But a lot of the (laughs) things with this movie, it is a little, yeah, I can, I can definitely see why I'm in the minority of enjoying, enjoying it a lot. (laughs) I think, I think a lot of people did. Uh, it was definitely unique. I'll give it that. Like, it was a unique movie. Wasn't really anything like another... I, it, I've never seen another movie like it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it definitely... You know, it's there's been so many movies now that it is rare for a movie to come along and totally just cultivate its own completely unique look. So it did that really well. And I'm sure that... Um, I can't remember who the director is, 
I'm sure Nicholas Winding Russian. Oh yeah. Okay. I'm, I can't remember. I'm a huge fan of his. What are his I other movies? Neon Demon, because <laughs> I suck. What else did he do? He did the Pusher films. He did Valhalla Rising, Drive, Bronson, Only God Forgives. Drive? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. With Ryan cool. Gosling? I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, like, with Nicholas Winding reference films, they're all very different. Um, like, uh, the first Pusher movie, which is his first movie, is one of those, um, like, ultra-gritty, super-low-budget, long-takes, mumbly-dialogue kind of movies. And then, like, Bronson, um, the one with Tom Hardy about Charles Bronson, is so highly stylized because it's like he'll like he's narrating from his prison cell but he'll be like wearing costumes and stuff and it's it's a very odd movie and then Valhalla Rising which a lot of people don't like and I love because I have a very unhealthy obsession with Mads Mikkelsen oh my god there's no there's no unhealthy level come on I know right (laughs) um but it's a very strange movie about like a group of Vikings and there's almost no dialogue Mm. And uh, and then Drive is Drive, which yeah. is and it's so different from all the other ones. I I'd, I'd say Drive is the most like technically good of all his films in that it balances his very weird aesthetics with like uh I don't know a watchability that his other films lack. Mm-hmm. Definitely, I think um, probably yeah. that would I personally. Well, out of the two movies of his that I've seen, I would consider Drive to be his masterpiece. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people do. I haven't seen it, but I I do definitely. And the reason I think I like the Neon Demon as much as I do is because I appreciate when a filmmaker has, you know, his his or her body of work. And they're like, you know, each film is a study of something. And I feel like the Neon Demon is a study of color. And that's okay. Like, I'm not in it for the plot. Yeah, that's totally a cool way of looking at it. I could see that. Um, also, I, I I think that he, the two movies of his I've seen, both had really cool soundtracks and even, like, scores. Um, like, the music just paired really well with the look. Yeah, I was going to mention that earlier, and I totally forgot. So, uh, at my old job, I organized a, like, a Stranger Things party night uh, one time, and I was putting <laughs> together a playlist of, like... 80s slash 80s horror music to play during the event and I totally snuck some songs on there from the Drive soundtrack, the It Follows soundtrack, <laughs> and uh, the, nice. the main theme from the Neon Demon because the, again they, they all kind of sometimes have those little uh, throwbacks to the 80s nostalgia so I totally put those on there. I was like nobody is going to know that these weren't from the 80s horror movies so... <laughs> They no the soundtrack from Drive it totally could have been from like 1987. Yeah, yeah it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Drive is the film that is credited with like bringing in the huge, uh, like retro wave, um, like resurgence of music that's going on Interesting. now. Interesting. Because that's a that soundtrack. I I remember seeing the movie in theaters when it came out and being totally shocked that these were songs that had just come out i couldn't believe how 80s it felt and now like everything is retro wave and synth wave and yeah, all that yeah good shit totally so true um that one song what is it like midnight city i love it oh that's a great song. so much it's so good and yeah, yeah it's it's like a, a song that you hear that makes you feel nostalgic even though it just came out this year mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, would you guys like to move on to piercing? Let's do it. All right. Did you watch this, Kate? I couldn't remember. I haven't seen it. It was it was actually on my list of movies I was looking forward to coming out this year. And I think you agreed with me, Dale, that it was a totally different kind of movie than you expected. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I could have been fine without watching this one to be honest I I watched it just a what was it just a couple months ago now and 
I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't remember what happened. I really don't. I don't remember it. It was a. It was strange. I wasn't really okay. So if you haven't seen it, people, which you probably haven't, because it's kind of under the radar. So there's this guy that's kind of like a you know Patrick Bateman light, and he wants to he wants to get a sex worker and murder her. That's like his plan for the night. Uh, so he gets uh, Mia Wasikowska. Love her. But she is a great yes. actress. But uh, is she's I don't know. It's just such a strange movie. Like she's almost like like super receptive to it. Uh, she's just got a weird vibe about her, almost like a Sof- Sofia Coppola <laughs> type movie. That's kind of what it felt like. Yeah. Um, it's like she kind of, just, they kind of kept uh, portraying her as almost someone who was not mentally there all the way. And yeah. I kept seeing this film on Twitter because I follow a lot of the, the horror people on Twitter or whatever and I kept seeing this, you know, as it was playing at festivals and I think it played at Fright Fest and People were like, oh, yeah, you got to see this. It's so stylish. It's like the new stylish piece. It's full of imagery and whatever. And I was like, I watched it and I was like, I mean, okay, there were a few scenes and split screen, but uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it didn't do a whole lot for me, I thought. I, I did think that Mia Wasikowska did a, a really good performance. I thought she was great in it. Um, and some of her scenes were more memorable, but, I mean, it didn't really do much else for me. Yeah, it, it was a really pretty movie. It was very striking. Yeah. Um, and both the main actors were really good. But honestly, it didn't even really feel remotely like a horror movie or even a thriller <laughs> or anything like that. It was more just like this weird, meditative, I don't even know what... I could not figure out what it was trying to say. Yeah, I felt the same way. And then when it ended, (laughs) it went by so fast. I think it's a standard like hour and a half, whatever long. But when it ended, it cut to black and it was credits. And I was like, what? I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, are you fucking with me? (laughs) Right. I was like, "Uh, okay, you know, that went nowhere. Um, Because when I originally you know, read about it like a year ago, it was like, this is, it kind of sounded like it was like a one-on-one, like fight to the death, but it was not that at all. (laughs) It was like, it was a lot of uh, weird conversation. And um, like you said, like, I don't even really remember what happened. I remember like they were kind of, they were, oh, he like drugs her or she drugs one of them drugs the other. She drugs him. Um, yes. Okay. And it's it's sort of like a fight to the death, but in like really slow motion. Yeah, it's almost like uh. it's, a, it's a continuous <laughs> like back and forth power play with one another. Uh, the sense that I got from it was that I don't know who wrote and directed this film, but I kind of got the overall impression that it was some dude who saw one too many Quentin Tarantino movies and tried to kind of capture that. <laughs> and it didn't... It didn't really play because the whatever message there was like he was this you know budding serial killer he had these thoughts of you know killing someone so his idea was to you know get a sex worker for the night take take her to his hotel room and then his whole plot kind of unfoils when she kind of you know goes crazy and stabs herself and she kind of does these weird things and I guess like the whole thing throughout the movie is that he's trying to figure out if she's really mentally unwell or if she actually knows what's going on and she's like doing these things to kind of subvert his plans and to kind of like turn the tables on him but it never really goes anywhere with that and I don't want to say like it never answers that question it doesn't but it's not in a good way like it follows it just doesn't follow through with what it whatever it's trying to do like I kind of just it went off. It went off, and I was like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, it almost felt like like a Terrence Malick type movie mm-hmm. where like nothing really happens. <laughs> You're just like watching these characters exist, and you know they're having conversations, but like, although you know things do happen, it just doesn't really 
feel like anything's actually happening. Yeah, there's no stakes, um, I guess. Yeah, there's no stakes, and it's pretty much all in, like, one uh, location. And you never feel remotely like you're on the edge of your seat, like, oh, no, what's going to happen? You're just like, okay, they're going to just, you know, switch roles and then just keep on talking. And it even ends with, like, they're, like, I can't remember they're like cuddling or something and then she's like directing him to like stab her it was strange i'm like what is this yeah i can't i can't remember <laughs> the final scene but i do think it it kind of ends in like um it's like oh it's this back and forth and it's gonna keep on keep going like he she was gonna kill him or something and i think he's he says something like, wait, I'm hungry. We need to eat first or something like that. Oh, and yeah, that's right. I, I just know there's somebody listening to this right now. Some guy's listening and he's like, oh, you didn't understand it. It's subtle. You don't like subtlety. But, you know, I, I like subtlety. I didn't like this movie because this movie just didn't really say what it wanted to say. Or I don't think it really knew what it wanted to say. Yeah, and it, it really didn't register. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you don't really remember the plot. I'm the same way. And I just saw it, like, right whenever it... it like, pretty much the day it came out for mm-hmm. rental, I rented it. And I barely remember anything that happens in it. <laughs> yeah, so to its credit, I will say that it... I think it was shot pretty well. There are some good cinematography moments. Um yeah <laughs> that's that's all i got <laughs> honestly it was i think it had a lot of potential uh it was a really it was definitely very mm-hmm. pretty and the the two leads were good they were well cast but i think it was just really lacking in like a cohesive uh plot and good pacing yeah for sure and i think you know given a little more i don't know i don't i don't want to piss anyone off but I think a better filmmaker could have said a lot more with this because it is it's an interesting concept absolutely and there are ways in which it could have been filmed that could have you know conveyed what he was trying to do versus like it does she is she in on it does she know what he's trying to do or is she really crazy it kind of goes back and forth and back and forth and I think it wants us to kind of make our own assumption about it but at the end, it's just like, well, we don't have enough to go on. Like, we genuinely right, totally. don't know. And then there was that whole sequence where she drugs him and he has this massive hallucination with something that happened with his mom. Oh, God. Like, every time there's a serial killer, that's something with his mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get it. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. I Okay. I'm starting to slowly remember what happens yeah. in the movie. But it, it was still just like... It was like, it's like a movie you watch and then the next day you can't even describe it. <laughs> yeah, and like I said earlier, it did feel to me like somebody who was trying to channel the, you know, the wit and the way that Quentin Tarantino can make a, a scene of heavy dialogue really gripping and absorbing and entertaining. Uh, I do respect Quentin Tarantino as a filmmaker. I love his movies. But this feels like just one of those guys who is a little too obsessed with Pulp Fiction and needs to move on from that and try something else. Right. I looked up the uh, director to see what else he's done. And let's see. Nothing really. Apparently he's remaking The Grudge. Oh, sweet Jesus. And he did The Eyes of My Mother, which I haven't seen, but has, uh, it's pretty, like, critically uh, reviewed well. Yeah, I've heard of that one. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it, you know, a lot of, a lot of genre people, you know, think that it's, like, really good, like, highbrow type horror, if that's a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) But it's supposed to be also a really, you know, attractive movie and really interesting, but... I have just never gotten around to watching it. And so Piercing was this guy's only second movie. So maybe he will improve. A sophomore slump, <laughs> as they're starting to call it. <laughs> yeah. And next he's going to 
up the stakes by remaking The Grudge. Ah, <laughs> uh, which already has an unnecessary remake, so... What? What is even the oh, point? Well, the American the remake. Original, I... The Japanese one, and then yeah. there's the one with Sarah Michelle Gellar for no fucking reason at all. It was not good. How do you guys nope. feel about the original Grudge? Juan, I think? I don't think I saw it. I can't remember. I'm a huge fan of Asian yeah. horror, so um, I really like it. Um, I actually... So I was looking up Piercing, and Piercing is based on a novel by the same guy who wrote the novel that would become to Takashi Miike's audition. No way. Oh, okay. Audition is one of I think probably the best horror films of all time. And uh in that it, it like it, it, talking about stylization, talking about how 80s films have a very particular feel. To me I feel like Asian horror films have a very particular feel. And one thing that they have in common with I don't know, pretty much any horror film that doesn't originate in the US is that they actually trust their audience yeah. and that they don't spell everything out for them right and audition i watched knowing literally nothing about it a friend of mine just said you have to see this film so we sat down and watched it and for the first oh, hour and four also anyone listening to this who hasn't seen it immediately turn off this podcast go watch it and then it's very good and now come back to me okay now you've watched the movie you're back Let's talk about this. The first hour and 45 minutes, I was like, this is a very bizarre, very slow love story. And then the last half an hour, I was like, this is a fucking nightmare. Yeah. It's really, it's, like, cringy, but, like, in a terrifying way. It is absolutely horrifying. And I just... I can actually... I've only seen it once probably over 10 years ago and i can if i close my eyes i can picture her driving the needle into his eye yeah. like i just oh. you know, <laughs> i don't like stuff with needles and i don't like stuff with eyes so yeah i actually <sighs> just had a like a very like real like whoa 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 reality moment just hit me because it all just comes together that this source material for piercing obviously it's it's the same it kind of plays off audition but it didn't work this time and yeah i totally see that now i had no idea that's I awesome can, yeah i can see that yeah. too yeah because and hmm. so now i want to read it i actually it's funny that you should mention that because i just added that to my list of like to be read like a week ago yeah for sure yeah, that's interesting. I think I'm going to rewatch Audition tonight because I I saw it so long ago that I can't even remember, honestly. It, I think if I watch it again, it would feel like for the first time. I, I think I'm going to rewatch yeah. that for sure. But yeah. I absolutely yeah. do it. We should do an episode on Asian horror. Oh my God, um, let's do it. And I will, I will do my best, though I don't make any promises, to not spend the entire time talking about Takashi Miike <laughs> because... I, yeah, Takashi Miike's films are... Uh, did yep. he do Ichi the Killer? He sure did. Okay. I I watched that and Audition, like, a million years ago, and I barely remember them. Yeah, invite me back for that episode. That, that would be totally. super fun. You're welcome back anytime. Well, we have gotten drastically off topic, but I think... I think we should definitely do another episode, like, follow-up to this one, because there's so many more that, you know, fit into this topic. Yes, and I don't know if you two are into playing games at all ever. Um, I, I'm i into The Sims a lot, but I don't... I, I'm into... I follow horror gaming a lot because I love all things spooky. Um, I did want to shout out this independent uh, game developing company called puppet combo they make video games that are specifically designed to cater to that whole 80s slasher vhs aesthetic they are absolutely amazing and they are terrifying that sounds um, fun oh my gosh it's amazing i i posted about it on facebook a couple days ago but yeah all their games are 80s slasher vibe there's one called stay out of the house there's <laughs> nun massacre there's babysitter bloodbath which is uh 
Halloween themed, of course. Mm -hmm. They're terrifying, and they all kind of have like that grainy VHS look to them, and they're cheesy, and they have that synthy soundtrack. It's it's amazing. So I definitely wanted to plug them real quick. If any of you are into video games at all, or even just look up their games on YouTube, because it's honestly scarier than watching a horror movie. That sounds cool. I actually um, cannot remember the last time I played a video game, but it's been. I think the last time was like Portal. <laughs> it was a really long time ago. I love Portal. I have a Portal tattoo. Oh, that's awesome. It was a really fun game, but yeah. um, I haven't had a console in like 15 years. So <laughs> These are uh, laptop accessible, I think. You can find oh, them on Steam. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I can always use more hobbies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big game player, but my my uh, but my partner is, and uh, I I think he would love a horror video game. So I will send that suggestion over to him. What was it? Puppet combo. Puppet combo. Yep. Okay, that's a terrifying name. <laughs> I know they're so cool. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Dale Weathers, for joining us. Excellent first we are episode. Definitely, it was so much fun. You are well, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Anytime you want, just let us know. We're always thanks. in the market for guest hosts. So, did you have anything you wanted to plug? Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, my my best friend and I we haven't released it yet, but we have been working on our own podcast for a long time. Uh, well, at least for a few months now. We've recorded a few episodes by now, and we are called Under the Horror Dome. And that's where you can find us on pretty much all social media under the Horror Dome podcast or under the Horror Dome pod. And we're basically this, but we talk about books. Uh, so oh, okay. we've been we've been reading our way through all the spooky books. We're kind of setting Stephen King as a focal point right now because we want to get more familiar with his work. But we're also throwing in um, like The Haunting of Hill House Dracula, some of the classics. We're even going to touch on some children's horror like Coraline and scary stories to tell in the dark. And then in between those books, we're also doing some bonus episodes where we talk about their film adaptations. So our first ones that we recorded, we talked about Stephen King's first book, Carrie, and we talked about the 1976 film adaptation, which is one of my favorite movies ever. It's in my top five for sure. It's, it's a masterpiece. Amazing. I love it so much. So, yeah, we're planning on releasing uh, in early June. I think the first Tuesday in June is when we're going to come out. Cool. And we got lots of fun books to talk about and lots of fun movies. And we're definitely going to get some guests on to talk about those movie adaptations. I would want to lovely. I would want to lovely. I would love, <laughs> I would love to guest on your show because I love horror novels. Yeah, we'll totally have you on. Absolutely. Okay. I'm losing my words. <laughs> well, I think that means that it's time to call it a night. I think so. Thanks again, Daryl. Thank you. to everybody else, if you made it through, thank you for listening. Let us know what your favorite stylish horror movie is. And good night. Good night. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>